You're listening to Locked On Cavaliers, your daily look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to this episode of Locked On Cavaliers. As always, I am your host, Chris Manning from cfreethestore.com, SB Nation's Cleveland Cavaliers site. If you aren't already, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Megaphone, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. A five-star review is the best way to support the show, and you can find the show on Twitter and Facebook at Lockdown Cavs, and you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at CWMWrites. On today's show, I'm going to get into the Cavs' 121-116 to loss to the Dallas Mavericks on Saturday night. It's a loss that the Cavs, I think, had a chance to win. Uh, They certainly came back from as many as 21 down, but really started off slow, really struggled to open the game. Uh, As I run through some of the box score numbers, Jetty Osmond and Kevin Love both had 22 points. Colin Sexton had 28. Uh, Jordan Clarkson added 17 off the bench. Anthony Zidic had 11. Dirk was kind of the big star of this game, even though they only had 14 points because of him getting close to Will Chamberlain and uh, Maxi Kleber, and Tim Hardaway Jr. had 18 and 22 points respectively for Dallas. No Luka Doncic, which sort of took some of the fun out of sort of watching this game because Luka is so exciting, but um, that is what it is, and they rested him, and they won anyway, so it is what it is for Dallas. Uh, Look at the positives first in this game. I really thought the Cavs actually started off this one with a good set where they had Kevin Love whip around in a cut. I literally sprinted behind a cut from, I believe, Ante Zizic, got to post up on the left block, made a hook shot, a little baby hook there. Really was a nice set because it got him into a position of strength. It got him into a position where he was going to be able to make a play. The Cavs could empower him and trust him to do Kevin Love things. For a team that doesn't have a lot of guys they can really lean on in that way, that's a really nice thing to have. That's a nice way to use Kevin Love. So I'm very into uh, the Cavs doing that with with Kevin Love and continuing to do that with him as we kind of move forward here. It's a way to build an offense around him. It's a way to really keep things moving with him. So I'm, I'm pro that, and I'm very pro um, just seeing them do more stuff like that with a little more motion, a little less static sets and things like that that kind of make them easier to defend. Um, and again, getting Kevin Love to do Kevin Love things is a way for this team to be competent. Colin Sexton scored a lot in this one. Um, his speed showed up a lot in this one, including in the half court. I thought this was a game where he was was making really tough shots and, and doing a good job of picking his spots with his speed. He also came out really hot in the third quarter with three three-pointers right away, uh, his own little run to kind of spark the Cavs back into this. Sexton just looks so much more comfortable, so much more confident as a player than he did earlier this season. You like to see that from him. That's a big step up, big step up for him, frankly, considering some of the struggles he had uh, much earlier in the season. But this was a game where I thought he just really shone. He really kind of looked like the type of player he might uh, sort of end up being. There's still some, you know, little kinks in his game we need to kind of figure out. Got the line five times as well, which is pretty solid work. But you know that that's just something to kind of watch for the Cavs. The Cavs as a team, by the way. Did have another free throw advantage in this game. It's something they're doing decently well of late. Uh, not against Philadelphia, but against some of the lesser teams they're playing. They're they're getting they're beginning to the line and they're beating teams of making their free throws. In this one, Kevin Love eight of eight, Ante Zizic three of three, Sexton four of five, Clarkson four of four, 
Marquise Chris, uh, the one positive thing he sort of did was go to for two Dallas for context was 13 of 16 from the line. So not as big as of an advantage for the Cavs as we've seen in recent games, like against Toronto, for example. But uh, that's still an advantage and help them, I think, come back, especially when Kevin Love is getting to the line. That's a sign that things are kind of going well. Jetty Osman in this one, uh, not a great night for him on two-point shots, but 6-7 from three is, is a good look for him. If he can start making those shots in that way, getting a little more comfortable with those type of shots, um, he's going to be a guy that is going to settle in. And for him in particular, in the context of these recent stretch of games, he's someone who's been really streaky of late, has really had um, some issues with this shot of late. So for him to come out firing, to make six to seven threes in this one, to to really make uh, Dallas pay and bail the Cavs out even of some tough possessions where Dallas actually did a good job on defense. That's a positive for Jetty. That's the kind of th- that's the kind of thing that you hope he can kind of be consistent at instead of really streaky. Not the you know not a game where he you know rebounded particularly well or, or did a bunch of great defensive work, but his three point shooting in this one good had a couple nice assists as well and and overall I think a, a positive game for Jetty where he's had some struggles of late and looked a little streaky, uh, particularly in the offensive end, um, in, a, in a way that is concerning. I thought the pace the Cavs played at was pretty well um, useful. I thought they did a good job of, of getting up tempo when they needed to, of picking their spots. Sexton in particular and Love are the two guys really driving that, that tempo push. Those are guys that know when to push, that have the ability to push. Love bringing up the ball only leads to good things. Context and pushing typically leads to good things. It certainly is a place in the game where he is just much more comfortable at this point in his career. Um, in particular, in the second quarter, there's a play where Sexton got a rebound, bobbled the ball, Love ended up with it, and instead of them slowing down or you know resetting the offense to get Sexton the ball, Love just kept dribbling. Sexton ran. Love dribbled to the right, and when the the defense sagged off Sexton a little bit, they gave him a three. So he took it confidently, made it three points. They were down a bunch at that point. But for them to get within 16 because of that three and just to rely on their pace and rely on their ability to to do a good job in transition, that's a good thing. Now, the stats don't necessarily bear out that they – well, actually, they do. In terms of off-live rebounds, uh, the Cavs were in the 94th percentile of all teams this year. Um, off-live rebounds that crushed Dallas, who was in the 30th percentile – uh, points per possession, the Cavs were in the 96th percentile off, off live rebounds, Dallas in the 27th in transition, 96th percentile overall, and, and which is the same there, and then the same advantage in points per possession. Um, not a ton of that, only 11%, which is actually less than what Dallas had in terms of uh, frequency. They were at 14.1% in transition, but the Cavs were much better in transition, and that was, I think, a big reason why... Uh, that they were able to come back in this game and at least do some positives later on. For the for the Cavs coming back from as many as twenty one down to almost win and to put up a fight is a good thing. The slow start, the the defensive miscues that we're going to get into were are very concerning. They're not a, a sign that this team actually sort of knows what it's good at or or is good at all right now. But for them to actually come back, I think shows that they do have a little bit more in them than they might have earlier this year. Um, I don't think they would have done that earlier this year. So just them actually coming back and making this a game and and looking a bit more competent, looking like a real NBA team, even you know it's a back end of a road trip. It's all these things that count against you. Like that they at least put a little fight up uh, to kind of come back in that second half and didn't just get blown out again for like the bajillionth time this season. 
The Cavs also, I would say, uh, if you look in the context of their overall offensive performance, I thought it was a good offensive game, at least by the numbers. Um, Dallas came into this game as the worst defense in the league in March, uh, according to NBA.com backslash stats. So the Cavs finished with an offensive rating of 128.9. That's in the 93rd percentile, an effective field goal percentage of 55.2 in the 66th percentile. A very low turnover percentage at 6.7%, 98th percentile, and again, got to the free throw line 24, uh, at a free throw rate of 24.4 in the seven, in the 72nd percentile. Didn't take a ton of mid-range shots either, particularly long mid-range shots in the third and 3% in the second percentile for the year. That's very, very good, uh, especially considering how much this team has loved those long mid-range shots this season. Took a bunch of three-pointers as well. Made them at good clips. Again, their, their defense was worse, actually, because Dallas was just a little less bad. Um, we'll get into that on the second half of the show and get into the numbers of that. But at least the offense, um, in terms of performing well against a bad defense, positive that the Cavs did that, and they should feel at least good about that. And again, the Cavs took a lot of threes, not as many rear shots. According to Cleaning the Glass, that is progress. Lottery odds, last, last good thing here, do come out looking good in this one. They're only a half a game behind the Phoenix Suns uh, as of Sunday. Now, Phoenix does not play on Sunday, so we'll see how the, that is impacted this week. But the Cavs are now closer to the second-worst record than the fourth-worst record, with the Bulls at four, Phoenix obviously at two. That's a good place to be as they get into a hard part of the schedule. And this week, the Cavs play the Bucks twice, the Pistons, and the Clippers. Those are all teams in the playoff hunt. Um, and even though, you know, Milwaukee just lost Malcolm Brogdon and all that stuff, these are better teams than the Cavs. They could go 0-4 this week, and which wouldn't be to the most shocking thing in the world, but that would get them even more into a position to um, potentially solidify their, their place in the top three teams and not risk falling down to, like, the eighth pick in the draft or something like that. That's a scenario that they want to avoid, even if they want to look more competent doing it. And they are going to get good players back this week, like Larry Nance, like Tristan Thompson, it seems like, probably Matthew Dolavadova as well. But lottery odds are going to help this team more in the long term than the the random win against the Milwaukee Bucks, for example. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to hear Jetty talk about Dirk Nowitzki, who got close to Will Chamberlain in this one. And then we're going to be back to talk a little bit about the bad from this game. So stay tuned for more Locked on Cavaliers. Everybody was everybody was hyped uh, hyped up for him. How many points he need two? He need four. He needs four to pass. Him. Four to pass him. Uh, I mean, he had, he had a couple shots. <laughs> everybody was everybody was so hyped. But um, you know, I mean, I wish he passed it, but you know, we can't just let him let him and score that easy. You know, still uh, he's a legend, but still we have to play defense on him because I mean, how like. 20, 21st year, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, he's still like making those shots and unbelievable. But um, like I said, we just had to defend him. But I mean, it was great playing against him today. And we are back. Okay, so bad things from Cavs, Mavs. No Luca again, a bad one. Um, not just not a particularly fun thing there for us to really 
enjoy. Um, if you want to just watch good basketball, watching Luka is certainly part of that. So that, that just kind of sucks. The defense is the the big, big bad thing in this game. It is uh, a disaster right now. It is just something that is going to have to get fixed. If you want the Cavs to be competent next year, or you know, if even if they're going to be a, a bottom 10 team in the league next year, and you want them to go from being one of the worst 10 teams in the league to, let's say, like the eighth worst team in the league and still keep their pick. If you want them to be more like, let's say, New Orleans this year or, you know, even Atlanta, who's, you know, uh, a good seven games ahead of the Cavs on the schedule right now, the Cavs have to just get better on defense. They have to be more competent. Um, We can go, I, I should probably write about this at some point because the defensive breakdowns are just... They, they change, even though they're sort of the, the same throughout the year, even though the personnel has really changed. But you can look at some of these issues and, and feel kind of unconfident about them. So, you know, you have Colin Sexton got burned a bunch by Jalen Brunson in the pick and roll in this game. Early in the game, um, at 7.22 in the first quarter, he just got beat off the dribble very badly in a pick and roll. Didn't know how to read it. Brunson gets into the lane. He feeds uh, Dorian Finney-Smith in the corner. Smith, as the result of this breakdown, is wide open and gives up a three. Um, just a really, really bad look for Sexton. Not a ton of that in this game overall. He was actually not as bad as I would have thought, but that was a problem. Um, Marquis Chris, look, he's a disaster on defense in this game. Uh, there was a play in the second quarter, late in the second quarter, or excuse me, midway. Th- or sorry, this is at the end of the first quarter, excuse me. 3.09 left in the first quarter. Uh, it's him and Nawaba on a give and go. Chris is guarding the Maxi Kleber, or Kleba, the screener. He basically just stands there so david nawaba like comes out to 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 show and like to make, try to make a defensive play on the on the guy with the ball and then chases down the roll man um and or the cutter and commits a foul because chris just like stood there like he was f- guarding a guy in an inbounds pass that hadn't been done yet just a ton of stuff from chris in this game that's bad i'm not gonna go into bad marquis chris things anymore on the show because it's just not really worth it. I don't feel good about punching like down on him for being so bad, but he's just really bad on defense. When he's on the floor, they're just not going to be good on defense. There's just not really a way you can have like that much of a net negative at that position and survive it. Jordan Clarkson gave up some easy buckets. Uh, 8.32 in the second quarter, there's this Clarkson love pick and roll that, that Dallas uh, attacked with them. Uh, they basically Clarkson just like didn't like get low or move his hips well, and when when Love stayed with Nowitzki, which they're showing Dirk respect, uh, Clarkson just had to like put in effort, and he just got blown by it by Devin Harris, gave up a really easy bucket, and just did not look like a good defensive play. Look, a bunch of really bad uh, defensive things in this game. Just overall, like they're not a good defensive team. They don't have a bunch of good defenders. Even a guy like David Nawaba had like not a good defensive game in this one. My theory with that is that they're stretching him a bit too far uh, in guarding guys. He guards everyone from Dirk to like Trey Burke, and he's going to struggle at the vast extremes of those. He's probably more of a two through smaller four guy as opposed to like a true one through four uh, defender type. Like he isn't maybe quick enough to defend point guards isn't good enough or like even if he's really strong to defend like the, the super tall force considering he's only 6'5 but the Cavs are asking a lot of him right now if the Cavs again are going to be competent next year if they're going to be a team that makes some kind of leap next year their defense has to be better this is not the LeBron era where like LeBron can Ty Lue can like design a scheme that like just works well enough and LeBron will like not try like we'll try just a little bit more in the playoffs when it really matters and 
it sort of works out. The Cavs do not have that luxury now. And you look at the numbers for this one, according to Cleaning the Glass, Dallas, an offensive rating of 131.5, an effective field goal percentage of 60%. They only threw the ball over 5.4% of their possessions. That's at the 99th percentile. They shot well at the rim, 83.3%. That tells you Ante Zizic is just not cutting it there. Chris, as a five, is not cutting it there. They made their threes well, uh, particularly their corner threes at 62.5%. That is that is crushing. There is no really good way to spin this as a good defensive performance from the Cavs. There are good moments, for sure. But... Overall, the Cavs are a disaster in defense. This game is just really, really bad. And Kevin Love talked about this post game a little bit. Um, you know, he feels like when this team isn't scoring, they're not trying on the defensive end. That's not an uncommon thing for a young team, but that that has to change if they're gonna get a little bit more competent. This is a bad Nixowski game. Um, his three point numbers actually have rounded into not disastrous since he got to the Cavaliers. So he's someone who I, if you've listened to the show, if you've heard me tweet about him, I, I would like to see if they could get something out of him. With the Cavs, he's up to 37.5% on threes. That's uh, actually up from where he was at in Portland. He's taking a bit more a game. You know, he's not playing a ton, like 15 minutes a game. So like if he's making one three in 15 minutes, you, you can live with that. But his, you know, his two-point numbers are bad. And in this game against Dallas, this was just a, a bad Nick Stauskas game. So he is 1-6 from 3. He missed a bunch of makeable shots. And then late in this game, the Cavs were down 10, I believe, with about a minute and a half to go. He attacks off the dribble. He actually gets into lane. It was a nice nice little move from him to, to dribble penetrate there. But uh, commits a costly turnover. And the Cavs were in a position there where they were they had some momentum. They looked like they might be able to make a comeback in this game and do some damage. And that turnover was, was costly. They end up losing this game by five. They get within as many as three. If they like can score there, get a bucket there, Maybe that gives him a better chance of winning. Uh, so just a bad Nick Celtics game. I'm not super out on him. He's better than Chris. I just think I would play smaller and play him, especially like especially when Larry Nance Jr. and Tristan Thompson are back. The Cavs will have Ante Zizic, Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, Larry Nance Jr. to play the the four and five spots. Nawaba plays a lot of four, so hope I would assume maybe they play a little bit smaller. I don't know who's going to get squeezed out of those four, but there's going to be some squeezing. Chris should probably just like not play when those four guys are back. He can play the three. Um, those four guys are at least going to be competent. They're going to help Jetty. They're going to help Sexton develop in a way that Chris just is not. Stauskas can play some wing minutes. They need to fill some wing minutes. I, I just think like he should be playing moving forward. It was interesting that he was in the game late in this one. Um and yes, he was bad in this one. Still have more value in him going forward than Marquise Chris. This is just something, I, this next thing is something I don't quite know what to make of. I'm just going to note it and then move on. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki was guarding Ante Zizic in this one. And then he like sagged off Ante, even when Ante was just north of the of the elbow. Um, I'm going to go back and watch some film and get back to you listeners on this and maybe write about it. Um, if I write a, a thing on Ante, but... Not the best thing there for us to see to have Dirk sag off Ante and not show him um, any respect for a jumper at that. It could have just been Dirk like not wanting to get him, build a little cushion into his defense. Just a weird thing there, and a sign that Ante may need to work on extending his range if he's going to be a viable NBA center going forward. And again, no Lucas sucks. Uh, the Cavs kind of face guarding the crap out of <laughs> out of Dirk late in this one was kind of not fun as well. 
Um, but really, the defense is the big thing to feel bad about in this one. It's the thing that really cost them a chance at a win as they go 0-3 on a road trip with, with losses to Philly, to Orlando, and then to Dallas. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to um, wrap up with a stat of the game, play of the game, play of the game uh, as we wrap up this Sunday edition of Lockdown Cavaliers. And if you're looking for another podcast to listen to after that, may I recommend Lockdown Browns? Jeff Lloyd is breaking down all of the NFL free agency stuff, and he's going to talk about that Odell Beckham Jr. guy who I think is pretty good and I think is going to be very exciting uh, this year for the Cleveland Browns, obviously. So check out that after you listen to this episode, but we're going to be right back with more Locked On Cavaliers. Uh, it's just not playing together. We have uh, so many, you know, no pass or one pass shots. Um, you know, I think our ball movement and you know our energy and that ball having energy is, is huge for us. But on top of that, we got to get stops. Uh, I think we took a huge step back defensively. Uh, we've been looking at film, but you know, when we're not scoring that ball. It's it's you know, it's almost like we're giving up on the defensive end. Too many straight line drives and you know, guys not helping each other. And that with a young team, you need to have a ton of communication, and that's dropped off. Well, you had five points in the second half. Any of that had to do with the hard fall that you took at the end of the second quarter? Uh, no, I don't think so. I just, uh, you know, I thought when we were going into that uh, 35 action or 34 action with Jetty and I, and they were switching, that we were getting uh, some good looks. And, you know, they, they were coming to, coming to double team or we were getting cuts. So we were getting that swing, swing pass uh, when they were coming to double. And, you know, we went away from that. So it just, uh, um, yeah, it just wasn't there for us in the second half. And we are back. Okay, real quickly to wrap up today's show. Stat of the game, player of the game, play of the game. So for me, the stat of the game is that uh, is 18.2%. That is the assist percentage of one Kevin Love and one Jetty Osmond. That, I think, tells you a lot about where the Cavs are at right now. Colin Sexton is not really the one doing the assisting in this one. His assist percentage for context was also 18.2%. But if you look at... The, pers- the the breakdowns of where those guys are at based on their position. Jetty is in the 79th percentile of his position. Kevin Love is in the 78th percentile of his position. And Con Sexton is in the 42nd percentile of his position. So what that tells you is that the Cavs are a bit unorthodox with how they are setting up their offense. You, instead of the point guard doing it traditionally, as you see when Jetty brings up the ball, for example, and Colin is off ball, they are really doing things a bit more by committee where these guys are all sort of responsible for the assist numbers for keeping the ball moving. It is not all on sex and shoulders. Some of that I think is due to Colin's skill set, but it is also, I think, by design that the Cavs are not just relying on one guy to do the assisting and they're not forcing Colin to be something he might not be, especially at this point in his career. It's clear at this point The best thing he does is get buckets. He's made big strides in his three-pointers, but Love and Jetty are better passers than him right now, see the floor a little bit better than him right now in terms of setting up others. So they're going to allow those two guys to really help him out. 18.2%, again, is the assist percentage of all three guys. But it's more indicative, I think, of what it says about what Love and Jetty are doing as much as it is 
about what Sexton is and is not doing um, at this point in his career. So I think Sexton, though, is the player of the game. Um, Love only had five points in the second half. He certainly is the one, um, I think, keeping things functional. He is the one keeping things sort of moving. Jetty, I think, has a good case for being that guy as well. But Sexton stat line is just a good Colin Sexton stat line. 10-17 from the field in a team high, 38 minutes, 4-7 from three. Again, made three in the third quarter on that personal 9-0 run to really get the Cavs going. 4-5 from the line. Had three boards, four assists, zero turnovers, which is big for Sexton. Only two fouls, 28 points, a plus minus of three. Just one of those Colin Sexton games where you feel a bit more optimistic about him, where what he does as a scorer, I think, shows his value, shows what he can do. Um, and that third quarter run was really ca- was really catapulted forward by Colin Sexton coming out, making three threes, and showing some promise in that regard. That's just something I think you can feel optimistic about from him. And while, you know, you want to see him make some better decisions on defense, you would like to see those assist numbers get better. Him coming out and scoring and to, and showing some of that speed in this one and being more confident as a guy that's going to take and make some shots when the Cavs need him to is a good thing when you think about his development at the very least. And you can, you're can you going to take some of the positives when you see them. The context, over again, overall, you want to see some other stuff there. But that stuff uh play of the game lastly uh, two things were i'm gonna go tie here i think the opening set was really something i really loved i just love when you can get kevin love and power to do kevin love things it's a way for the Cavs to be competent and it just i every time i watch them do a set like that it is a reminder that they really missed him a bunch and they did not have an easy way to get buckets without him i also again just loved the Colin Sexton, Kevin Love pushing on the break. Colin Sexton gets a rebound. He pushes up the floor. He tries to use that speed, bobbles the ball just a bit, but Love's right behind him. Love gets the ball. He keeps dribbling. Sexton spreads out to the right. Sexton ends up getting an open three because Love pushed. The defense sagged onto Kevin Love when they thought he might post up, and they were trying to force the ball out of his hands, and, or maybe just lost track of Colin Sexton. And then Colin Sexton makes the three. The Cavs get within 16. It was sort of them getting the momentum back a little bit. I just like that type of play from the Cavs. So they were there you are. Stat of the game, player of the game, play of the game. Real quick there. All right. Thank you so much for listening. That's going to be it for today's show. I'll be back tomorrow talking about Cavs Pistons with Max Shook, talking about Colin Sexton's assist percentage and his assisting in our weekly check-in on him, and then also giving you what to watch for this week. I've got a bunch of great guests booked this week, so you'll have insight on all the teams the Cavs are playing. I'm very excited about that. If you have questions you want answered in our next mailbag, you can submit those, as always, to at LockedOnCavs on Twitter or to LockedOnCavs at gmail.com. This week, I will be setting up that Google uh, voicemail, so if you want to submit your questions via audio as well or have a take you want to share, you can submit that there as well. I'll be tweeting that, talking about it on the show, how you can do that if that's something that interests you. A five-star review on Apple Podcasts guarantees your question gets answered, by the way. And at the Sword, check out David Zavok's two-for-one of Cavs Mavs and all the other Cavs coverage we have coming up at the site, including Trevor Magnati's Cavs Civic Draft Board that is currently up there, and Jackson Flickinger's Things We Learned This Week that goes up every Monday around 9 a.m. So thanks for listening. This has been Locked in Cavaliers for Sunday, March 17th. I am Chris Manning. Find me on Twitter and Facebook at CWM Rights. I will talk to you again tomorrow. Have a good one. Thank you.